Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley, and our guest on the show today to talk a little bit of draft from ESPN, their draft analyst, Chris Peters. Chris, thank you for coming on the show. Hope you're doing well. Are you finally ready for this draft to be over? Uh, very much ready. It's the never-ending draft class, and uh, I have been... Uh, thinking about it way too much for way too long and i will be very much glad to uh, clear out all of that knowledge uh in the podcast leading up to the draft and finally the actual draft analysis and then we move on to 2021 because the draft season never ends (laughs) so it would seem and that's that's kind of the crazy part is you're already getting your 2021 lists out not just everyone has their early lists but all of a sudden it's almost october so you have to kind of balance both a little bit at this point. Yeah, you do. And, you know, I've, I haven't spent as much time as I normally would have on, you know, the, the upcoming class because, I, you know, I would have been seeing guys at live games this time of year. And that's obviously not happening yet. I mean, we're going to have some leagues starting up here pretty soon. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, you kind of have to always be ready to move on and, and not knowing what the schedule is going to look like for the rest of the season. You have to you know do your homework and make sure that you're ready. So, yeah, I think I think I may let the, this draft breathe a little bit more than I normally would before I throw out my uh, my early 2021 list so I can make sure that it's, uh, you know, salient. <laughs> and I and I, I feel like uh, I've got the focus right. But, yeah, I mean, I. I think at this point, it's just I'm ready to get uh, get moving on with uh, with 2020, and it, you know at least this was a fun class to track and and, and everything like that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, but but I, I won't be sad to see it go. Not to uh, not to spend too much time on 2021, but I am curious how you know you're you're like the guy at ESPN. <laughs> you know there are a lot of these draft publications that do this year round, but they have you know, they have it all split up kind of like an NHL team does where they have somebody who does the OHL and the WHL and the Q. You don't have like a team of, of people that do this. So right. how do you how do you prioritize your live viewings? Uh, I mean, usually it's however many I can chunk together. You know, I'm looking at, uh, I, there's going to be an emphasis on bigger events like international tournaments, world under 18s, world sure. junior uh, you know, showcase events like uh, the the USHL Fall Classic and and things like that. That you know, where you can see a lot of players in a brief amount of time. Uh, the nice thing is, is that you know I can schedule trips out to the OHL and I can see you know four or five games in a week out there and and drive you know fly to Toronto and then drive you know wherever I have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there are other events like the the Russia Canada series and things like that. So some of these things I'm I'm not going to have this year. Uh, to do that. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a much larger emphasis on video uh, going forward. I mean, I always prefer, this is, this is the first time since I've been at ESPN where I, I was ranking many, many more guys than I saw on video than the, than I saw live. So um, I always prefer to have the live viewings. It's certainly, you know, you, there's a lot more that you, you can get out of that, but with 2021 in particular, I wasn't zeroing in on those guys as much. Uh, you know, I normally start doing that towards the end of the season when I'm, 
putting the finishing touches on 2020. And then I'm moving on and looking at those other guys. So uh, it just requires a lot more video homework to do it for next year. And then hopefully we'll be able to get some semblance of normalcy and I will be able to, to go again uh, to, to see players uh, live, but because I know there are a lot of teams out there that, uh, you know, they, they would much prefer to be in the arenas than behind a computer screen. How, how hard was putting, you know, you talking about the, putting the finishing touches on 2020, so many of the big events that happen in the draft cycle happen at the end, you know, between the Memorial cup, uh, between, uh, the U 18s, the junior a challenge, all those things, you know, the, the combine, even all of those are vital towards to, to the draft process to go. And and this year, none of them, Mm -hmm. you have none of them. So do you feel like, there's there's a lot better maybe value to be had in guys who otherwise would have been those late risers, you know, guys who are going to go in the second and third round. Are we going to look back on this class and see a richer middle middle rounds than we otherwise would have because of those? It's tough to say, you know, I, I mean, I think I certainly miss those events just because it's there's so so much value for those being at the end of the season because it's the culmination. You know, it's the especially like the world under 18s where all those club, you know, all the European clubs, their seasons are over They're They're mm-hmm. they've switched in. And, and and for me, I was banking on that event, especially with it being in Michigan this year to get live views on guys that I didn't get enough live views of. And mostly it was on video. So you're saying I saw this on video. Let's see how it looks live. Um, so you you miss that confirmation. So I know for sure, at least on my board, there are definitely guys that I'm probably am undervaluing that I would have had a better read on if I had seen them live. This won't be the case for teams. Teams obviously now have much more uh, a robust scouting staff. They would have seen all the guys that they're p- picking live. They would have had extra video views. They might not have had as many crossover viewings where other scouts got to see them, which is an integral part of the process. But I, I do think that that you know, teams that have done their homework and did all the work leading up to when things stopped and then continue that homework through video and whatever else they were able to do with the Zoom interviews and all that stuff will be th- – those teams will be better positioned than some teams that maybe were a little bit behind the eight ball. Uh, but I think by and large, most teams, especially most scouting staffs, were already kind of integrating video into their their process. And so I feel like that this this is just kind of that on steroids a little bit where it's just you have to – you had to do a lot more video and there was a lot more double checking. And, you know, in some regards you get to see more games of a player and have a larger sample to judge off of because of that. Mm-hmm. But there's also the times where you're like, I'm just not seeing as much as I would have if I saw him live. So getting into the 2020 draft a little bit here, uh, AJ asked this question of, of Jared Brown, who we had on the show the other day, but outside of the big three, who do you think has the highest ceiling in this class? Um, that, you know, that's a good question. I think, you know, there's basically for me, you got the top three, which, you know, we've got Lafreniere, Byfield and Stutzla. The, the guys that are coming right after that, you got Lucas Raymond, Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi, Jamie Drysdale, you know, Jake Sanderson, Yaroslav Askarov. I feel like that group and, and Alexander Holtz, that group, if you take those guys in any order after those top three, I'm not going to begrudge that the the GM. However, I think like in terms of pure upside, the two guys that I feel like have the most uh, would be Lucas Raymond and Cole Perfetti. I think Perfetti, you know, neither of them are big guys. They're they're average size players, but they're exceptionally skilled. 
Uh, Raymond's uh, a little bit quicker. He has a little bit more pace to his game. Perfetti is more of a cerebral player. Uh, I think when I when I'm looking at players, you know, I'll have my final list out really soon. And so, you know, these these are the two guys that are four or five for me. Um, and and for me, the Perfetti's brain and his hockey sense, his vision and the skill, that's what I think allows him to have that high ceiling, uh, to be a top-end producer, to be a guy that's going to put up a lot of points. He had a great season in the OHL. Um, I think he's super just an intelligent hockey player. He's intelligent off the ice, too. He's the OHL Scholastic Player of the Year and at one point was committed to, to play college hockey. And, you know, I think for him, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by – his entire skill set um, and the skating needs to improve. And that's, that's one thing that could limit his ceiling is if he doesn't get that extra gear quickness, then that gives me a little bit more concern. And maybe I start leaning more towards uh, a Lucas Raymond at that point. Uh, but I also don't discount Jamie Drysdale, uh, you know, Jake Sanderson and Yaroslav Askarov in that mix either. Cause Askarov very well could be, I, I mean, I view him as a number one goaltender, a guy that's going to have a long, career in the game as uh, you know as soon as he gets over here from Russia and then Sanderson and, and Drysdale both have that potential to be a number one or number two top pairing defenseman um, and that's incredibly valuable as well so uh, I that's those guys are so tightly bunched for me in terms of like if we're tearing off this draft you got you got your you know Lafreniere one then Byfield Stutzel real tight and then the rest and those guys are super tight. So uh, I, I think it's if you're picking in the top ten this year, you're you're landing a guy that's probably going to be the top prospect in your system uh, in most cases. So it's it's pretty pretty fascinating to see how good that that group is. Are you worried at all? Because when I, I as much as I I love Cole Perfetti's game, but a guy like Dylan Strom made me just makes me a little nervous there where it was the same thing. You thought that the vision, the creativity, the IQ, all of that is going to play up. It's going to translate perfectly to the NHL. And then you just worry about the feet. And then the feet have been a major factor in limiting his upside where he's a decent NHL player, but a top five pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's totally fair. It, you know, and I, I think, you know, the, the other benefit that Dylan Strom had that, that, Perfetti does not is that, you know, he's a big body as well. And, you know, was had at least range in, in mm-hmm. terms of size. Um, I, I just view, I think the hockey sense is, is, is a major compensating factor. And I think that his is at a level higher than Dylan Strom's was at that point. And there's no question Dylan Strom ha- has great vision. He's a playmaker. I think Perfetti's better in that, in those, in those al- elements. Um, and, and also, you know, one of the things is he's, he's such a great playmaker, but he's also a very gifted goal scorer. I mean, this is a guy who came into the season. He led the Ivan Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, or tight, was second in goals um, and was just scoring at will and was scoring in shootouts and everything else. And that was a big moment for him. But then you see he's such a shot pass threat where I think Strom is a much more, you know, pass first player. Perfetti is more of a shot pass threat and being that makes you diff- more difficult to defend. And if you're as smart as Perfetti is, you have the, like his ability to pick the right play is incredible. Like it's always an opportunity. Like he's always seeing the play develop in front of him. He's finding the right guy. He's making the right choice. If it's a shot or if it's a pass, he doesn't force too many things. And that's because I think his processing speed, which is maybe more important than foot speed, uh, and no question foot speed is important, but I think his ability to process the game, that's the thing that I think gives him the edge to make him 
you know, a top five pick, a top five caliber player um, on top of having just tremendous hands as well. That's what I wanted All to right. hear. <laughs> so we've covered kind of the top 10 here a little bit. Unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that doesn't affect the abs really at all. We'll get to the abs pick in a bit, but my favorite question about the draft every year is at the back of the first round, do you have any late risers? Do you have someone unexpected that you, yeah, think you know, I think in the first? starting off, we're starting to see some guys that are still playing right now that have that, you know, potential to be, you know, a later first round kind of gamble, but you know, could be a really good player. I mean, one of the guys that's kind of been a late riser for for me and for others is is Helgi Granz, a big defenseman out of Sweden, very good playmaker, you know, make great passer. You know, foot speed is a little bit of a concern, but he's got size, he defends well, um, you know, does a lot of things well, uh, and and you know, plays a top four role uh, in the SHL right now as a teenager. Um, you know, he's one of those guys I could see sneaking into that the the end of the first round there. Um, I still I still have him more in that early second round range. It's just a for me uh, on defense. I think the mobility situation that's one where I, I get a little bit concerned. But his ability to move the puck is really intriguing, and and, and transition is is intriguing to me. So I think that he's a guy that has a chance to do that. Um, you know, I think another guy that wasn't necessarily a late riser, but a guy that that kind of uh, had a better second half of last season before things shut down. And I think did himself a few favors is Thomas Bordalo, who's who's headed to the University of Michigan this year. And you know he's outside of Jake Sanderson, who's you know one of the top defensemen in the draft. He's probably the only other uh, national team development program player with a legitimate chance to be uh, you know a first round draft pick. He's he's crafty, skilled. You know, averaged about a point per game this year uh, on a team that did not score a lot. He was a go to uh, threat for them. Makes some good plays down low. Not a huge frame, um, you know, but he's got good quickness and can make plays. And I think he's going to play a pretty substantial role at the University of Michigan, which is a freshman-laden team uh, this year. So uh, very fascinated by, you know, those two guys. They're on different ends of the size spectrum, uh, different ends of the skill spectrum. But those are the types of players you're looking kind of in that later first round, early second that can, you know, make an impact. We haven't talked a ton about the USNTDP and the USHL this year. Granted, they don't have the super insane class like they did last season. But how do you balance a system that plays the majority of their games either in international competition or against lesser competition like the USHL as compared to the CHL leagues? Well, I think it, it, you have to understand, too, with that team in particular is the fact that they're, you know, they're all 17 years old. So unlike other junior teams, they don't have any 19 and 20 year olds to help bail them out. And, and to, and as the USHL for as, you know, it might not have the caliber of talent as the CHL in terms of the, the highest end guys, but their, their middle range is very similar. And I think that that makes it a difficult league to play. And it's a hard league to score goals. And uh, we saw, you know, the Chicago steel and the U S national team development program, you know, these are teams that typically will have that higher skill player and the steel have a couple of guys that, you know, could either go first, second round. Um, and, and, and they were, they scored at will this year. And that's very rare for the USHL. So, um, you know, I think the other thing that, that you have to factor in is just with the NTDP having that balanced schedule where they, they're not all just playing USHL and international, but also division one colleges. Um, those are the games where you can start seeing some of those guys separate. And I think that's where you see like a guy like Jake Sanderson. It's like, wow, he really performed well against colleges 
know, he, you know, they played the University of North Dakota, and I, I'm pretty sure the North Dakota coaching staff after that game said, "Can we have him now?" You know, because he was so <laughs> good in that in that um, you know th- those games, and you know he, he's a, a late riser. So you know, you, I think the talent always stands out. Like you got a guy like Brendan Brisson who had such a tremendous year for the Chicago steel who scored a ton of goals. And I think coming into this year, nobody expected that kind of season from him coming out of Shattuck St. Mary's. He's a good player, a draftable player. Was he a first round talent? I don't think many people believe that at that point. So, you know, I think that the fact that the USHL has continually developed a league where there's balance, you know, this is one year where the, the steel were such an exceptional team outside of the league. But typically, it's a very you know parity-driven league. It's a tough league to play in. So, um, you know, a lot more teams. You know, typically the, the 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 USHL will have a lot of players with connections drafted from that league in the later rounds. They don't have as many first-round guys, but they have a lot of players drafted later. So, you know, I do think that um, you know there are differences in evaluating the talent. But I think when when I'm looking at top prospects and I see a guy like Brendan Brisson, I say, Hey, this is a guy that, that found space in a league where it's f- hard to find space. And that says a lot about his game. You know, we, speaking of Chicago and the USHL started to hear a lot about Sam Colangelo, mm-hmm. a lot about him lately. Could you just touch on him real quick as to why there seems to be a lot more uh, around him sneaking into the, to the end of the first round? Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, he, he's got a good frame, you know, a good size. There's definite skill there. Um, he had tremendous numbers in the USHL this year. Um, and, you know, he he hasn't risen to that level for me as, as a guy that should be a, in the first round conversation. I know that that's not necessarily, I think he's a polarizing prospect. There are a lot of teams that, that really like him. There are teams that don't have as much time for him. Um, but I think the reason that you see it is, you know, the numbers certainly – the fact that you know he played in the big events like the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, two years ago, he, he played in the World Junior A Challenge. You know, you've gotten a chance to see that. He's also going to Northeastern University, which has had a tr- tradition of late of f- offensive talents flourishing there. We think about Tyler Madden and Adam Gaudet. Um, you know, Tyler Sakura. There, there are a lot of guys. There, Dylan Sakura. There are a lot of guys there that uh, that that played. Um, you know, and and have developed well. Uh, I think the one thing that for me that, that gives me at least a little bit of pause is, you know, Chicago was so good and you wonder how, how much of the, the talent of that team allowed individuals to break out. I think Brisson was more of a driver. Uh, Colangelo has tremendous skill. I think the finishing in terms of, you know, he makes so many plays, but there were a lot that he could also leave on the table in terms of, you know, not finding the right guy, not making the right read. Um, I think that the, the physical tools are there. There have been some, I've had some concern about the hockey sense at times. Uh, but I think the reason that, that, you know, that you hear about him at, in the later rounds is not just so much about him, but as it is about this class, there's not a ton of consensus. You know, you think about like 20 to 60, you look at the, that chunk of players. I mean, there are plenty of guys in that mix as low as might be 60 on my board that could go in the top 30. Um, and I think that there's just not a lot of consensus there. So guys like Colangelo who have that skill and size combination, you know, that you're like, Hey, I'm going to take a bet. I think there's more risk in a player like him, but there's a chance to take a bet there. And so I'm very fascinated to see where he goes again. For me, he's more of a, like a, a early to mid second round guy, but I can totally understand and have heard teams that view him as a first round talent. 
we do need to take our first period break as this podcast is sponsored by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get it down at the DNVR bar, eight different kinds on tap, or get it from the source directly in Littleton at the farmhouse. They are now open for social distancing if you want to go in, or you can always get your pickup beer from noon to 8 p.m. Just call 303-803-1380 and use code DNVR to save $5 when you pick up. And our primary sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, giving you amazing odds for another week of football. Bet $1 on any football team, and if they win, you can win 100 bucks. if you are a new user. Jump on that if you haven't already. It's going to disappear really soon. So go win yourself 100 bucks if you can. If football's not your thing, you can bet on pretty much anything. European hockey's back. You can bet on that. Basketball's finishing up. You can bet on that. Racing. You name it. Table tennis. I've seen all sorts of crazy sports. Even esports you can bet on at DraftKings. So League of Legends World Championships. Yeah, there you go. Jump on it. Get yourself some money. Win some sports betting, esports betting, whatever you want to do. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNBR when you sign up. Get that one dollar bet for a hundred dollar win offer in the NFL. Again, one dollar for a hundred bucks, a hundred to one odds. You can't beat it. Code DNVR to get signed up for that for a limited time at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 4700 All right. Let's get to it then. Abs pick 25th. Chris, who you think they target in the 25? Oh, man. Well, you know, again, it comes back to this is the range where I think that the consensus just kind of goes away. And so you're looking at what's available there. Is it a, is it a Brendan Bersant? You know, I think that there, is, it, is it a Sam Colangelo? Both of those guys are options there. Um, you know, I think that y- y- you wonder, you know, is Hendricks LaPierre, how far is he going to fall if he falls at all? And, you know, here's a guy that, that was injured for most of the season. Had we had more hockey to play last year, he could have made a better case for himself in the second half of the year. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the season's canceled just as he's starting to get healthy. You know, when he was, he, he had uh, just a tremendous Holinka Gretzky Cup. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's something you put some weight into. But then, you know, when he was healthy for the little bit of time that he was for the QMJHL season, wasn't as, as dominant, but he also had a tremendous season last year. So how much weight do you put into that? So guys like him are, you know, those those opportunities to look for upside. I think, you know, the Avalanche in particular are in such a good position because the top end of their their prospect pool at the moment is quite good. You've got, you know, you have a center, you have a defenseman, you have, you know, and then you have the young talent that's already on the roster. So, you know, I think that that's that they don't necessarily have, you know, they, they at least they have the luxury to maybe take a shot or to see kind of what, you know, bet bet on some upside there. You know, a guy that that I have no idea where he's going to go, but is fascinating to me is Lucas Reichel. And I have him more as like a 17-ish, like in that 17 range. And he's a guy that I could see very easily falling to that 25-ish range. And um, he's high in skill. He's got a good shot. You know, he, he he's a guy that's going to need time to develop. The Avalanche don't have any immediate needs. Um, which you're not going to fill at the 25th pick anyway. So why not bet on you know upside? And I think that for me, one of the highest ceilings in this draft based on where he is right now is Lucas Reichel. And I think that 
we, you know, we, we have a hard time ranking players like him because how many have come out of the German elite league over the years and this draft, we're going to have three potential first rounders from that league, including JJ Paterka, who's another guy who could be an option as a goal scorer at 25. So lots of different kind of things coming into play there, but that's the type of caliber of player that I think is available to the abs there. And I would like to, you know, if I were in their shoes, I would be looking for a longer term prospects. And I think Lucas Reichel is, you know, and, and guys like him are, are the best option if available. It's a bit of a cliche, but especially when you're picking in the, in the latter half of the first round, it is kind of one of those situations where teams should let the draft come to them. Right. And, and take whoever's left, whoever falls. Right. Yeah. There's at that point, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to make, big strides positionally where you're going to say, well, we've got, you're just going to go off your board and your board is what it is. And, it, and you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to have it set. And when it, when whatever the first name is left there, I think that's, it's an easy decision, especially this year, because I think that this draft, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, the, the things that we lost, the different kind of, you know, you just go with what you're comfortable with and you spent all that time building that list. Just stick with it. With it being a virtual draft, uh, how much do you think that's going to impact maybe potential movement during the draft, on draft day, teams wanting to move up and down? Do you think it'll be easier, or do you think it'll just because they're going to be using you know, Zoom and, and they'll have all these different things that they're not accustomed to, do you think it'll be tougher for them? I don't know if it'll be tougher. I just it's gonna be tougher for the insiders because <laughs> they're not gonna see who's talking to who on the draft floor. You know, like that's that's gonna be I think that's where it's tough. I mean, really, if you think about it, you know, when they're making deals, they're typically doing it over the phone. They're typically doing it, you know, maybe they'll do it over Zoom. I don't know. Um, I think where it can have an impact is when you do have some of those tight decisions. The general manager might have an opinion about which way to go. And, you know, the board's a little different. And we've heard about times where these picks have been switched at, at the at the draft table and, you know, decision, snap decisions can be made. Um, I still think that we're going to see movement. I don't know if it will be more or less than normal, just because I think that more than anything, the flat cap and those are the types of things that are going to impact this and, and the GMs will do what they need to do. Um, based on what I've heard, I think you know the challenging thing is that you're not going to have your whole team right there. I think a lot of teams aren't going to be able to bring in the, their entire staff to the same room. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of them will be either over Zoom or whatever. So, you know, you're, you're hoping that your IT department is on top of things. You know, I think that most most cases like the executives will be allowed in their buildings and all those different things. But, you know, you won't have all your amateur scouts there or all the people that would normally be at your table. Um, so that's uh, that's one of the changes. But I, I don't I don't think, you know, in terms of the pace of the draft or the the ability to make moves, I don't think that's going to be impacted as much as, you know, just it, it's certainly easier to do it when you can just go walk across the floor and talk to a GM. But how often are they on the phone on the draft floor too? You know, so, I mean, it's just yeah. kind of, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, these guys, this is what they do. So they'll, they'll find a way to make it happen. All right. Chris, I know you're a busy man. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but I did want to take one shot in the dark. Avs don't have a second round pick. They do have a third. Give me someone in the depth of this draft. That's a good Ooh, pick. Yeah. You know, the third, the third round is going to be, I think that's a, a spot where you're going to see some more goaltenders go. You're going to see some of those kind of longer range prospects go. I think, you know, for me, there's, there's one, uh, one collegiate defenseman that I like kind of as a third round range player. Um, who I think is, you know, he's, he's a, 
He's, he's old for the draft, but I think he's the type of guy that if you don't pick him, teams are going to be going after uh, as an undrafted free agent. That's Declan Carlisle, who plays at Merrimack uh, University and or Merrimack College. And he is uh, a, you know, he's a two-way defenseman. He was one of the top defensemen in hockey or top freshman defensemen in hockey East this year. Um, you know, showed a lot more offensive pop, really strong defensively. He went up against a lot of tough teams, you know, and the one live viewing I got of him this year, he happened to shut down the number one offense, uh, offensive line um, in the country, that, including Jack Dugan from Providence College. And I was really impressed with that. And I went back and watched more video of, of Carlisle and became more fascinated with kind of his whole game. So he's the kind of guy that, you know, I, th- I think that sorry, my phone is beeping at me here as I'm trying to talk to you guys. It's not even on, but uh, anyway, um, you know, so guys like that, I think, you know, I, I think that the, one of the things that you can do now is look at those second and third year draft eligible players where you have more of a book on them. You have that they're better than they were, uh, you know, a few years ago, they, they have a shorter timeline, but still not a guy like, especially if you pick out of the college ranks or the USHL, you know, a guy that you can stash away that you don't have to spend a contract on in a couple of years. Those, those picks have more value. So a guy like him is, is kind of like what I would be looking for. But, you know, I think we're going to see, you know, the goaltenders, uh, the second-tier goaltenders go in that third-round range. And, and uh, you know, a lot of those kind of like shot-in-the-dark prospect picks, um, you know. But there's uh, – and, and just to shout out one other guy that is a late, uh, a late bloomer and an, another draft eligible for – this is a third-year draft eligible is Igor Sokolov from the Cape Breton Screaming e- – well, Cape Breton Eagles. I think they dropped the Screaming this year. Uh, he, he was great in the uh, – in the world juniors for Russia. Um, he was a guy that had been passed over because he was kind of out of shape. He had heavy feet. He's improved his skating. He's improved his fitness. Um, he's a big body, uh, has a power forward potential. And uh, he's just a guy that, that I think, you know, if he's not, if he's not gone by the end of the second round, I think, you know, the third round is a, a really fair range for a guy like that to go. Um, and he's the kind of player that I think that, you know, you can just work with in terms of fitness, nutrition, everything else to get him where he needs to be to be an NHL player because the talent is obviously there. That he is a tank of a human. He is. He is. He is. I call him the fridge and I, and I love him. <laughs> so, yeah. Got to draft go. him just on nickname alone at that point, <laughs> I think. Chris, thank you for coming on the show. You can find all of his stuff at NH- or ESPN.com slash NHL. Anything specific you want to plug? Uh, no, you know, we're going to have one more mock draft coming out uh, at the end of this week. And then also, uh, or at the beginning of next week, before the, the next draft, I'll also have my final top 100 rankings. Uh, and that's all on ESPN.com, ESPN Plus. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get this draft going. And uh, let's do it. Let's get, let's, get, let's get rid of the 2020 class and, and start working on 2021. But uh, let's have some fun uh, to close it out here. I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be done. So thank you again for coming on. Much appreciated to talk and draft with us. I know you got to get out of here. So have a good one. Appreciate we appreciate time, you Chris. coming on. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. It was great to be with you. And uh, yeah, enjoy the draft. We'll, we'll do. see you. 
All right. That segment was sponsored by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members here at DNVR took classes over the summer. So if you have any questions, hit up Ali Monroy or Harrison Wind, and they can tell you what you need to know. It's super easy to jump into classes for one semester. If you're taking a little bit of a gap year, you can keep up a little bit by going to MSU Denver online. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Just had some good draft conversation, but AJ, are you ready to get dirty, greasy a little bit here down in the mud? We're gonna we're gonna roll around in it, huh? A little bit, a little bit of rolling around in it. Where where should we start? I I've been hearing a lot of a lot of chatter about potential goaltenders for the Avalanche. I'll tell you one right off the bat. I heard a lot that I want nothing to do with is Henrik Lundqvist. Um, okay, I guess we can we can tackle that a little bit. It, you know, with the news yesterday of him the Rangers buying him out. Yep. He's he's a free man. He is free. So where does where does he take that next? Why Colorado doesn't make any sense any sense is the Avs already have two guys. Yeah. It when you look at Lundquist over the last three years, I cannot definitively say that he is a better option than either of the Avs current goaltenders. So yeah. even if you can get him on the cheap. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to go out and acquire a guy where you're talking about. You can't seriously believe that he's an upgrade to Francois, even let alone Grubauer. One of the things that I think is a concern as well with Lundqvist is if you look at some of the goalie fancy stats. Yep. Um, one of the concerns here is that Madison Square Garden's uh, stat tracking is notorious mm-hmm. for their shot distance being much closer, which raises the quality of the expected goals. And then which, which when he stops pucks raises the quality, the quality of the goaltenders play based on all of those, all all of those numbers and all that stuff. Um, You know, the expected goals, the expected saves and goals and all the, all that formula that that gets used. Um, to to kind of look at how well is this goalie doing beyond simple save percentage and goals against average and you know the the most basic of basics that that we always talk about but that's that would be one of my concerns is that Madison Square Garden is is notorious for this it's the same way and then this is one of those things that that actually hurts you you know the the same way that the Islanders uh rink is notorious for pumping up the hit statistics like who cares right like it doesn't like nobody's nobody's going out there and paying extra money because a guy has x number of hits hits or whatever yeah right like they're gonna go out there they're gonna sign that guy because they like the you know a team likes him because he's physical anyway they're not looking at the difference between 140 and 120 hits and saying well that's we gotta have the 140 hit guy you know so like the islanders uh you know, and their their rink bias there doesn't play as big a role in it. 
But at MSG, with the way that they're, that that stat tracking has gone, I think that that's interesting. Um, and one of the reasons why, when you look at some of these these models and some of these fancier stats for the goaltenders, you see some of the Rangers goalies sitting there. Because yeah. it's like, look, they're being given credit for accomplishments that are, are maybe overblown a little bit, a little exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it gives me it gives me pause when I look at any of their goaltenders, um, and with Lundqvist certainly you know you look at some of the some of the the goalie fancy stats, and they have him as kind of like a replacement level guy, like very borderline, like right on the edge, right? Like they 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 say that he hasn't totally fallen off yet, but when you consider that that rink bias is in play, it makes you it makes you wonder like is this has he actually been below average for the last several years? And, and that's... those shots that are going in are instead of being inside <clears throat> the circles, actually beyond the circles, all of a sudden things start feeling a lot worse. Certainly. And, and, and then you're like, this is obviously a third goaltender conversation for Colorado specifically. Yep. But again, like knowing that you're not going to move Francois for this stage of his career, Hank, yep. you're not going to move Grubauer for this stage of his career. Now, if Grubauer's injury is serious and long-term and required surgery and law and, you know, is something that they think could stretch into February or March, that's a very different conversation where you're, Hey, you're comfortable playing Francois however many games, but you're going to want a higher level third guy than you maybe otherwise would want because Grubauer, if, if Grubauer is not going to be healthy into the start of next year and, for the record, that's purely speculative on my part. We don't know. Uh, the team has gone completely dark on any information about these guys. So what, you know, they, I think it will be instructive what decisions they make at that position. Because if they get a guy like Hank, then you have to think Grubauer's injury is a little more long-term. If they get a, you know, a more this is, this is an AHL guy. He doesn't yeah. really ever have success at the NHL level for an extended period of time, but he's got some experience. We kind of like him. A dude that works in a pinch. Yeah. And, and you know, was is kind of like your Michael Hutchinson type because as, as much as we talk about, oh, you need to go out and get a better third goalie than Hutchinson, like Michael Hutchinson is the archetype of a third goaltender. A guy with NHL experience, a guy who's had some success, has had plenty of failures, and that's why he's not a regular. It's why he doesn't have a full-time backup job. Anyone significantly better than Hutchinson is playing in the NHL already. <laughs> like, and has a comfortable backup spot already. A t- and a team will pay for those guys. Yep. You know, Thomas Grice is gonna be gonna be a free agent. Like we we saw him, he did plenty fine in a platoon and backup roles for the Islanders over the years, not just under Barry Trotz, but before then too. And that's all that's all good and well, but again, like why would Thomas Grice come to call and you're not getting rid of either one of your guys because Thomas Grice is available. Like that's, you know, you're shuffling deck chairs at that point. You're not getting significantly better or worse. You're just changing the player because you can. Yep. If you're going to address the third goaltender position in a meaningful way, I, I mean, Colorado's just not really in a position to do that. They're in a position to do a Michael Hutchinson type. And Anthony Stellars, or this next guy we're going to talk about. Well, 
let's talk about him then, AJ. We have to we have to find a Columbus connection somewhere. Yeah, always do. Okay. And if you look at the Columbus, you look you go back and you look at where we could find a Columbus connection, it's in Anton Forsberg. He's a free agent. Um, he's with Carolina right now. I'm just saying, keep an eye out. Even has a good name, so he's got he's got a he's got a last name that casual Avalanche fans will accept. Yep. So anybody that actually pays close attention and digs into it a little bit probably will be less excited about this. But I'm and again, I'm just saying, just keep an eye out. He did. He played for JB in the AHL, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, he played for Lake Erie in fifteen sixteen. So, yep, there's the connection. Might as well just uh, wrap it up now. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he played a bunch for uh, Chicago a couple years ago, and was like okay. And you keep in, I mean, you keep in mind that that Chicago defense has been a disaster for a while now. And he's a he's he's all right, and I think he's what twenty eight. 27? 27. 27, yep. He turns 28 in November. So, yep. again, like, just another name to add to the to, to the pile of, like, keep an eye on it. And, like, that's clearly a guy that will go and play in the AHL, doesn't have an issue with it, has played a lot of AHL games in the last couple of years. Fine. Yeah. If, if if the abs had had Anton Forsberg in game seven against Dallas instead of Michael Hutchinson, do I feel significantly different going into it? No, not really. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it wouldn't feel great. I, I think that's, I said this at the start of the year uh, when we were having the same conversation about how the abs need a third goaltender. Yeah. Y- having one is nice, but you got to, be healthy in the playoffs. If you're playing your third goaltender yeah. in a playoff series, you just can't expect anything. Yeah, I mean, you have to just get better luck on the injury front. You know, with with Grubauer, a serious non-contact injury when he goes to make a routine save in the first period of game one, and people want to get upset and, like, blame Grubauer for that. And it's like... And you look at Grubauer's career, he's been healthy more often than not. This isn't like a guy that has a huge string of injuries... And he's always hurt, and you're always going up against it. He's had two years in Colorado. He's had one healthy year and one non unhealthy year. Like let's let's, let's stay on Earth bit. here yeah. a little bit, you know. <laughs> and then with Francois, finding out that Francois was hurt going into it, yeah, it it makes you feel it makes you feel different about that performance against Dallas, where he was so bad, yeah, and it was question. just like becomes should the abs have have considered giving up on an injured Francois earlier in that series definitely you know if if what does what does colorado look like if Francois plays games three and four right or i'm sorry if hutchinson plays games three and four i don't know maybe hutchinson doesn't get the job done or maybe the abs you know pull out a second win yeah, maybe nothing know. changes. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. It's it's all left up to the to the what if gods at this point. Yep. And you know, I what's done is done. Looking looking ahead, when we're we're gonna we're gonna spend more time on the third goaltender position than we probably should because of what happened. Yep. Um, where it's like, hey, you know, and I I spent a bunch of time on it last summer simply because they did nothing. Yep. 
and I hated it. <laughs> they had literally Adam Werner for a while right. there. And then and then look what they they used two quality AHL defensemen to go get backups in Bebo and Hutchinson. Yep. And then, you know, one got hurt and the other ended up playing meaningful minutes for him, but it's like he was he he got, you know, Bebo Bebo was the one that was kind of a disaster cuz he gets hurt right away. And like, yeah. if if they have Bebo, they probably don't do the Hutchinson thing at the deadline. Yep. And then maybe Callie Rosen is Cali still Rosen in this conversation. Of, right. Well, you have Callie Rosen instead of Kevin Connaughton potentially playing at the end of that series, but it is and maybe it maybe he gets more than Six seven minutes, minutes of ice time or whatever <laughs> right. it was that he got in Game Seven. I mean. We're 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 in the rabbit hole at that point, just trying yeah. to change history because we're still mad about what happened. But <laughs> you know, the the best thing they can do to prepare moving forward is like get a decent third guy and yep. come equipped. You so. know, not that Hutchinson wasn't because he was he's again the archetype of a third guy. But get a guy, get a guy that you like. If if you like Anton Forsberg, then you more than you like Michael Hutchinson, then go and get that guy. If you like Hendrick Lundquist and he, for some reason, is willing to be a Colorado Eagle, then go get that guy. You know, like do whatever. Be reasonable and and pick a third goalie, basically. Yeah, and if um, he gets claimed, then you pick, pick another well. one. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop um, trading. At that point, maybe I guess that's where you trade Josh Anderson for one. Anderson should probably be over in twenty twenty one. Fast forward twelve months. Yep. Assuming time, he has a solid year. This time next year, uh we'll be in we'll be in training camp and I expect Annan will be here. Yep. That's probably pretty realistic. Year uh, year two of his ELC. I can't imagine that they're gonna blow more than one year of his ELC on, on him being yeah. on the play in Finland. Yeah. Gotta get him in the org, get him into North America for yeah. sure. Uh, this one not exactly recent but we'd never really talked about it just because we had draft stuff to talk about uh, ottawa bought out bobby ryan any consideration there as a, a depth guy for the abs maybe on the cheap i would say yes um you know kind of in the same way that we've talked about a guy like a mikhail grandland or a craig smith where it's like you've missed out on a lot of the big guys in free agency for whatever reason maybe they wanted too much they wanted too much term or money or you weren't comfortable with it whatever um and the trade market is too expensive for you. You know, New Jersey wants a first round pick for Kyle Palmieri. You know, some of these guys that could be some of these forwards that could be available where you're just looking for a sixth top six forward. Um, you know, I think Bobby Ryan on a on a cheap on a one year deal, sure. I, I think um, that's if you're making that move, that's critical because he's not a young guy at all. So you're, yeah, and you're not looking for term at all. Yeah, the the term the money is irrelevant because they could they could give him one year. They could do like Wayne Simmons last year. They give him five million dollars just for the hell of it. Yep, and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, and I think at this point, you know, he's gonna pick he's gonna pick opportunity that appeals most to him. Yep. And if a team like Colorado came calling, a team like a Dallas came calling and gave and said, "Hey, we were see how this see how this fits." If if you you know because. You put you put him. I don't even I don't even know how I would line it up. I would probably I would probably open the year uh, Burakovsky, McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, and then Landeskog, Kadri, and Ryan. Ryan, yeah. 
I'd be fine with that. Like, I wouldn't have any objections. I'd be okay with it partially because if there's a real good chance that means the 13th forward, be it O'Connor or Bowers, gets games because Bobby Ryan's going to break his hand halfway through the season <laughs> like he does every year. But Jonas Donsko can't stay healthy. So. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> So you know, I'd, but the the downside the downside of that is that if that pushes Martin Kaut back to the AHL, yeah, that should not for like thirty thing. games of Bobby Ryan. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. Yep. You've got to you've got to you've got to be they've got to be committed to Kaut. Yep, is what I'm, I that's all I'm saying. I agree. Regardless Kaut of what they do at forward, they should be committed to him on the roster. Make room for that dude for sure. Um. Any other any other juicy ones, AJ, or should we get out of here for today? Um, I mean, we we sort of touched on Krug the other day, right? Yeah, kind of the same conversation where he just doesn't seem to make a ton of sense for the Avs, despite their supposed interest. Yeah, their interest. Uh, you know, they've checked in on Chris Letang. They've checked in on uh, Tori Krug. Um, the the their interest in these like puck movers. Continues to be kind of odd. a little weird, yeah, yeah. Because like when they when when uh, Friedman said that they checked in on Jalmerson, it was like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's what they need a a bottom four D that can shut dudes down. Yeah, uh, the other name that I would keep an eye on uh, in Washington is Brendan Dillon, as yeah. uh, kind of a shutdown defenseman that does. He's okay on the PK, but he's really good at even strength defensively. Uh, and has not fallen off of a cliff like Chalmerson did this last year. Um, if he makes it to market, I'm just saying, just keep an eye out. Um, not not saying that the ABS are going to prioritize him; they'll be hot and heavy or whatever. Just that keep an keep an eye out for that guy because that's sort of where they want to look to improve. Uh, and if the you know if the money works and the term works, then. They can do that, and then they can always, they can always move other other guys around at at will. Offer for the, just I guess since we're getting into the off season, I'll say this I'll say this once and only once. But offer sheets are purely something for fans to talk about. They never happen. The one the one time that it has happened since O'Reilly was last year with Aho, and it was a joke of an offer sheet that had zero chance to succeed. Carolina instantly was like, great. You did our work all, for us. All they did was ensure that Sebastian Ajo did not have an RFA holdout like every other RFA team did. Yep. You know, Winnipeg had Connor and Line A. The Avs had Ranton. It like last year's RFA market was hell for everybody but Carolina because Montreal, for some reason, <laughs> just decided to do the work for them. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that we're we're way more likely to see Tampa Bay try and handle their their cap crunch problem here by, by trading off a Kalorn or a Johnson or a Palat um, or a Gord than we are to see somebody some crazy offer with, sheet with on point or something. Sorelli <laughs> yeah. um, is the RFA. Yeah, oh, Sorelli, my bad. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that's that's the you know GMs GMs around the league don't like them anyway. Leaves a sour um, taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah, yeah. It just it just serves as a as a means to piss off other GMs. So if you were going to try to try to get Sergachev or Chernak or uh, or Sorelli on an offer sheet, you open yourself up to 
somebody coming after you. The offers, I, I say it every year, but offer sheets are purely for fans to talk about. They, they are not some, they are not meaningful tools for GMs to, to make use of. Well, if you are a fan that wants to talk about it, highly recommend the DNVR Lounge. We were talking about Brendan Dillon just the other day in there. Were if we? you're, well, I was. I was talking about it with uh, with Spence and a couple other guys in there, but if if you're a member of DNVR, all you have to do is go to the website and hit the DNVR lounge button to join us over on Discord. If you're not a member, now is a great time to become one. You can chat with all of us. We have a ton of channels in there where people are just hanging out, talking shop, hockey, and otherwise. So, highly recommend you become part of the family now. It's a it's a great time, especially with the draft coming up. We've talked about it a little bit, but behind the scenes, AJ and I are starting to see all this draft live show that we're going to be doing on draft day come together. And it looks so awesome. Like I am so hyped for the draft show that we're about to be doing. So yeah, on Tuesday, like we haven't even talked about day two yet because we're pouring everything into day one, the show on day one. Yep. So it, it's going to be awesome. If you're local, be sure to keep your eyes peeled for the sign-up to come on down to the DNBR bar and, and be part of the show potentially live down there. Otherwise, if you're not local, you can always catch us here on YouTube. We'll be live doing all sorts of stuff. It's going to be awesome. You can play along with some of the games we're going to have. We're going to have a ton of graphics and all sorts of highlights, you name it, for the entire first round. It's, it's, it's a full-on production. We're going to be your draft show to watch. Forget I don't even know NBC. Is that what channel is on? Forget that. Just yeah, have that NBR show straight up on your phone, on a laptop or something. Have it on mute. We're the show. We're going to be the show you guys want to watch. Yep. So I'm I'm pumped for it. I hope you guys are are pumped as well. We're going to get out of here for the day, though. Our final sponsor today is Chevalier Mortgage. You can find them over at dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia Chevalier, not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, they've been longtime DNVR members themselves. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial experience. And when you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice just by showing up to their website. So... Why not try and win some free gear, but most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options with them. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. If you don't want to go to DNVR Mortgage, you can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier and MLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier and MLS 1910631. All right. That's it for today's show. Really enjoyed Chris Peters coming on and, and talking a little bit of draft with us. We have Will Scouch coming on tomorrow as well. And then the mock draft on Friday. So Draft draft on Friday. Uh, you have picked number one. Do I? Okay. Right. That's uh, that's a not a hard pick to make. I uh, hold on. Let me pull up you. I'm pretty sure you have one. Yeah, you have one. Did you link something that I missed? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Hopi. I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything 
uh, to answer Jesse's question. Jesse hanging out with us. What's up, dude? Um, I haven't heard anything about the abs and Holpe. I, I so. don't want anything to do with Holpe, so that's fine with me. <laughs> Same. Um, if they go out and they get Holpe, they're praying for the fountain of youth on that one. Yep. Maybe uh, one too many times at the Washington well at that point. Yeah. So How pissed would Grubauer be like, come on. Really, dude? <laughs> Doing this again? <laughs> <laughs> I Honestly, I, I, I will be fascinated to see what Holpe gets because three really, really poor regular seasons in a row, but 30 years old with the track record that he has and him being a horse like he's been in his career – I think Holpe's market will be legitimately fascinating. But anyway, mock draft. You have pick number one. I have pick number two. I think I, I think you know what you're doing with one. I do not know what I'm doing with yeah, two. Yeah, you the, the draft doesn't begin until pick number two. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. I am truly, truly torn uh, on my pick there. So there you go. Be sure to tune in Friday to figure out AJ's answer, and we'll be going all the way through at least the abs pick, if not the full first round. We've so. got full first round scheduled. So, so there you we'll, go. We're gonna be using the. Uh, we're gonna have a draft board, and we're using a simulator. We're gonna be. Dario will be on to give a third voice as well. Yep. So. Dario. Dario actually has eleven of the picks of the thirty-one. You and I each have ten, and he has Must eleven. Be nice getting New Jersey. <laughs> I have New Jersey. Oh, you have yeah. three picks? I got New Jersey, and you got the Rangers with two. So he must have Ottawa then. So uh, he does He does have Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. It would have been funny for me to get both Ottawa and New Jersey and, like, the majority of my two teams. <laughs> yeah, the majority The majority of my, my time spent drafting is for those two clubs <laughs> that, that nobody cares about. Yep. All right. Well. I'm looking forward to the next week. Again, thank you everyone for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. Looking forward to hearing from you guys on Friday. Tomorrow's show will be a pre-recorded one, so not live, but it will be up on YouTube as usual. Mm -hmm. Until next time, we'll see you later.